Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Right now, with us in the studio, and we are so blessed because he has said, oh, well, I guess I'll come to work today. Here he is, the world famous. By the way, folks, if you sell him a cap, take out the cardboard lining because he forgets how to do that. Dr. History, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> you know, thanks. Yeah, but uh, but i got to say, you know, I do have quite a rodeo uh, background. Oh, really? Yeah. With, okay. You're laughing already. <laughs> I can't help it. Well, well, so, you know, the Oakley uh, Rodeo that they have every yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, well, good one. Yeah, I, I have an experience there. When I was about 10 years old, I did the mutton busting. I did you. Uh, <laughs> and I that was the end of that. I didn't know God had created sheep then. <laughs> <laughs> they were there. Uh, anyway, it was fun. But uh, How you been? Great, great. And uh, you had a good week last week. I did, yes. Okay. Got, grandchild number 14 coming you've got 14 number 14 coming in the next few days so i'd hate to buy your christmas presents oh boy i know but it's great it's great what are we going to talk about today well you know a few years ago kevin costner did a thing called 500 nations uh he did a video and there was a book about the indians oh 500 nations and so i'm going to uh talk today about the apache we're going to discuss just the Apache Indians, pretty much. Okay. And, and how Out they, of Arizona. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, commonly, they did not keep any written history. So what we know about the origins of the Apache is pretty sketchy. We don't know that much. Some say the Apache was in the southwest when the Spaniards came. Others that he they were still uh, working their way down from the far north at that time. But uh, by the middle of the 1600s, the Apache called a large portion of Texas, West Texas, all of New Mexico, a big chunk of southern Arizona, and all of Sonora and Chihuahua in Old Mexico as their own. So that's a big area. May I ask you a question? Sure. Omnipotent overseer of all things history. Yes. Apache, Comanche, Arapaho, whatever the name. Isn't that basically a tribal name of that group? It is, and sub-tribes. Okay. So, and that does get a little confusing. Yeah. Know? But anyway, it was rumored that the Navajo was a cousin of the Apache, but there were so few similarities that by the time the Anglo settlers met them that it's hard to believe there was ever any connection between the Navajo and the Apache. There are some points of agreement in custom and Was religion. it a political difference? I, I don't know. Just uh, the way they lived. Uh, I, I don't know what we would call the differences. Uh, some in appearance. Uh, but anyway, uh, they were totally different in temperament, the Navajos compared to the Apache. The Apache was always on the move. His life, his soul was centered on war. The various bands of the Apache, and this is where we're going to talk about, the Chiricahua, the Mescalero, the Ojos, the Caliente, Tonto, and others, were part of the Apache, but they were often enemies to one another as well as to other tribes. So they would roam the country fighting with more peaceful Pueblo and desert Indians. They would go on raiding, stealing, and killing until they almost uh, destroyed the more passive, easygoing tribes that were not warlike. Can I ask you another obviously dumb question? How could you tell them apart from other 
Indians at that time. You know, the scouts back then, the military scouts, the mountain men, they could tell just by arrows, by the dress, by there were definite differences uh, too many for us to even... And I don't mean to beleaguer this, but I think it's interesting. So it must have been a culture or a political change or difference in the way that they lived. Exactly, yeah. The uh, the priority of who's in charge, the chiefs, the sub-chiefs, things like that. Yeah. Now, as did all Native American tribes, the Apache called them themselves, quote, the people. Okay. The people. The people. A name they did not take lightly. Everyone else was not of, quote, the people. They were the only ones that were of the people. Now, the first person to write the term Apache, which actually meant enemy in the language of uh, his Indian guides, was a guy by the name of Castaneda, and he was the historian of Coronado's expedition in 1580. So that's clear back when the term Apache came into being, 1580. Now, other Indians agreed with the European invaders that the Apache was the meanest, the cruelest, the honoriest, freedom-lovingest, and foxiest Indian who ever roamed the Southwest. Now, he constantly harassed the Pueblo tribes. Uh, He dropped this fight, however, to become their ally in the great Pueblo revolt in 1680. Now, what that was was basically the Pueblo Indians drove out the Spanish colonizers. They drove out about 2,000 people the Spanish colonizers, and killed about 400. Was so the, the term Apache an, uh, a terminology from the Spanish uh, colonizers, or was it given by the Apaches themselves? Well, um, that's what this uh, historian gave them the name, Apache. So where that actually really originated, I don't know. Because he was with Coronado's first expedition oh, okay. in 1580. But the term meant enemy. But anyway, they became uh, allies with the Pueblo Indians uh, during that revolt. And now once the revolt was over, the Apache melted back into the wildlands to resume their enemy ways. And despite this, the Pueblo welcomed their assistance again in 1745 and 1750 when they tried to toss the Spaniards off the continent. So the Indians were trying to get rid of the Spaniards. Excuse me. Now, the Spanish Padres never reached the Apache with their messages about the Europeans' one true God. After all, the Spaniards were not, quote, of the people, so how could they know the true God? That was their reasoning. Mm -hmm. The God of the people was everywhere, certainly not contained in the Spaniards' brightly painted dolls. Also, the Apache was no fool. Only too often he'd seen the Spanish brands burned into the hips or cheeks of the Indians who had fallen under the spell of the Padres. He knew that Indian converts were often herded like animals to the plantation or the silver mines, and there they worked and died as slaves. The Apache were destined to roam the desert and the mountains with the wolf, the mountain lion, the bear, and, and I didn't realize this, but the coyote was what they called their mystic brother. The coyote. And they were not going to be the prisoner of any or slave of anybody. So they were a pretty independent uh, group of people. Now, as a child, the Apache was trained to have no pity. Mercy was not a quality that he understood. When an Apache sought information, he did not say, please. He hung his captive head down over a slow fire while the women removed, strip by strip, the unfortunate person's skin. His favorite method of persuasion, probably because red red ants were so plentiful and it was easy, was to stake 
the victim over an anthill and smear them with honey. When he got tired of the screams, the Apache smeared more honey over the victim's ears, eyes, nose, and mouth. While the Apache often mutilated his captured enemies without mercy, he rarely took scalps. Now, that's kind of an odd oh, gee. change. Oh, nice. <laughs> well, after you've done all that, you don't really don't yeah. need the scalp. You know, the deal on the anthill, I mean, I'm sitting here, and you just got me with a case of the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> oh. That just doesn't set well. Yeah, yeah. Now, when they did manage to capture a Mexican or a white person who had an Apache scalp, on his belt. Well, they experimented in even worse ways to give them a slow, painful death. And I, well, I'm not, I don't. I don't even know. Oh. We don't even go to that. But oh. it was worse than what I just told you. Yeah. Whatever that was. Holy smoke! Now, children of a teachable age and disposition who were taken prisoner by the Apache were often incorporated into the tribe. Now, teenagers might be made slaves, while young ones too young to keep with the tribe might have just been basically killed. Now, despite cruelty, the the Apache adoption was a system that was not completely bad, actually. Uh, For those who were tough enough to survive, Apache uh, preferred to take Mexican children, and there's historical evidence of more than one kidnapped Mexican child who grew up to be a pretty fearsome and honored Apache warrior. And that didn't happen just with the Mexicans and this tribe. You know, there's other tribes that took in whites or Mexicans or whatever, and they became part of the tribe became warriors, became chiefs in some cases. Mm. So, you know, the Apache was part of the country that he occupied. He knew every trail, every waterhole, every hideout. He traveled with enough equipment that would put a white man to shame. So he had a bow, quiver of arrows, a knife, a bag of panoli. Now, I had to look that one up, panoli. It's actually roasted ground maize or corn, and it's combined with spices to make different foods. So... Uh, it's kind of a corn maize something that they would mix with, yeah. with other things. Sounds really I, yeah, I, great. I'm going to see if I can find some. Yeah, I bet you are. And uh, they also had a little bundle of jerky, a gun, and ammunition if they had one. And this was all they carried. That was it. I was told in many, many books I've gotten, there's one over there I wish I could find for you right now, that they could go two or three times longer than anybody else Actually, without water. I'm going to tell you about that oh. a little bit here. Now, Okay, so picture what he's got, he's carrying. He wore a breechcloth, an amulet. Now, an amulet is like a good luck charm. Yeah. It's like a, something they wear around the neck yeah. to protect them. Uh, moccasins that sometimes laced above the knees. In later years, they sometimes wore a cotton shirt, unbuttoned, and trousers. Um, uh, with parts of them cut out, just uh, anyway. But when fighting time came, the warrior abandoned all clothing and went into battle wearing nothing but his paint, his amulet, and his moccasins. I understand. Did they use or not horses as much as other tribes? You know, it doesn't say that they did. I don't think they did. I don't think so, because it talks about, well, here it says he was trained to run from the time he crawled out of his mother's lap. Some said he could run 50 miles at a stretch without stopping to take a breather. And it is documented that some bands ran as much as 150 miles in 24-hour period to escape the army. Wow. And they're, they're on horseback. Yeah. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale. 
at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. But the Apache on foot could set a pace that would kill the grain-fed cavalry horses. Oh, yeah. I mean, just amazing. Now, strategy seemed to be born in the Apache. He rarely came over the hill in a wild charge. They were pretty smart uh, as far as uh, uh, how they did things. Stealth was his chief weapon. An Apache could become a rock or a bush to the eyes of the untrained, and he could bury himself in sand and lie in wait for his enemy for as much as two days. Wow. He almost was always attacked using the advantage of surprise, and that was his powerful weapon. Now, the sighting of a single Apache in the vicinity of a ranch or village was enough to send the entire bunch running to the safety of nearby forts or towns. Uh, When an enemy pursuit got too close to a band of Apache, the band would scatter, each individual Apache leading the enemy in different directions until he lost them and he could return uh, to an agreed uh, place that they'd agreed on ahead of time. And it sometimes took months for the members of the band to reassemble, before, but they generally always got back together, hmm. even after being chased by the cavalry. Now, the Apache was so familiar with the habits of wildlife that he seldom lacked for meat, and he made up the rest of his diet with what the women gathered and the raiders took as plunder. Now, when they had enough peace and time, Apache women might plant Apache corn, melons, beans, or squash. They ground acorns for flour. They fermented mescal and made Tiswan beer. You ever heard of that? Tiswan? Tiswan beer. Yeah, and mescal. And Tiswan beer is actually brewed from corn. Yeah, but the mescal uh, drink, isn't that what you just mentioned? No, I. but th- that's another one. I yeah, think. but that would knock you on your... <laughs> Root beer is as good as I go. Uh, that's as strong yeah. as you'd want. Yeah. Now, they also save certain pollen plant, uh, plant pollens for their religious ceremonies. Now, after the territory was well settled and the Apache gave over his fondness for game in, fa- in favor of more tame meat, uh, they had a liking for mules, horses, sheep, goats, and uh, cattle. It kind of filled out his diet. Uh, most of the bands regarded Mexico as their private warehouse for food. They'd just go down and get a cow. You know, hey, this sound looks good, right? You know what amazes me about the way they lived in the desert? Uh, you never really hear about too many of them being bit by snakes. No. Uh, yeah. Why? I don't know. I, I can tell you this. When I saw a snake, I'd be heading the other direction oh, yeah. so fast. Now, unlike the Comanche or the Sioux, the Apache preferred to uh, run rather than to ride. He was a guerrilla fighter, not cavalry. He did use horses. I forgot about this. And mules when he needed them. So they did have them. And there was a bonus for the warrior who rode into camp and brought his potluck supper with him, a horse. Oh, my gosh. Hey, here's old paint. (laughs) Yeah. Now, cavalrymen used to say that when they abandoned a worn-out horse, a Mexican could take it and ride it for another 50 miles before again abandoning it in the desert. Then if the Apache found the exhausted animal, he would ride it for another 100 miles until it dropped dead, and then he'd eat it. Okay. Now, some traditions of the Apache family endured even to today. An Apache never looked at his mother-in-law or spoke to her. This was how he showed Wait a respect. Minute. I think you, this should be emphasized again. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm not going to. <laughs> he left the wiki up as soon as she entered it in the days before. That still happens, though. <laughs> 
in the days before he was forced to live by the white man's rules, it was the custom for one Apache man to have two or three wives. Must have been difficult to avoid all those mother-in-laws. No wonder the guy the left the wiki up. <laughs> yeah, and was a runner. <laughs> 150 miles. Yeah. So anyway, the families actually, in most of these incidents, were, were what they call matrilineal which means they trace their kinship through the female line. So the man entered into the family uh, life of his wife as soon as they were married, leaving his own parents and siblings behind. He might visit with them, uh, but his responsibility was to his wife's family. Now, if she died, as women frequently did in those hard times, he stayed in mourning for a year and then generally married a relative of his former wife. But there was no writing of the family history. No, but... That's the way they went. They went with the wife's side of the family. When a young woman caught his eye, he could not approach her openly. Instead, he would ask a relative to approach her parents on his behalf. The number of horses, blankets, or whatever he gave for uh, presents. So there wasn't any courting. Not Not really. really. Yeah, Yeah, it was kind of... It's kind of like, here's the horses, I'll take the woman. Yeah. Now, a family included grandparents, unmarried sons and daughters, married daughters and their husbands, and the married daughters, children, sometimes an entire band was one family unit, including cousins, uncles, and aunts. A clan or band was usually known by some name that described their preferred location. For example, they might be called the White Mountain Apache or some other something Apache. But women in the clan found it easier to work gathering food and preparing it for eating, for storage. Each clan, whether of one family or several, were organized by consent under a uh, common consent under a single chief, and they rarely united with another. If one clan encroached on another's territory, they would fight. How big in numbers were the clans? You know, it doesn't really say, but if you start out with a few, and pretty soon you probably have a hundred, but yet another family might not be 20 or 30. Yeah, but you could end up with a Hatfield-McCoy situation, too. Yep. Now, the Apache was deeply religious. He believed in a supreme being. It was called Yusin, giver of life. Yusin was without particular place of no determined sex and couldn't be reached directly by prayer or supplication. The Apache sought Yusin's power through some totem which had been revealed to him in a dream or a vision. This totem became the Apache's guardian and taught him the ways and will of Usen. Now, I had never heard of that one, Usen, or, you know, the Great Spirit or I've whatever. heard him refer to the Great Spirit. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But there were special ceremonies for everything. A medicine man was a man of great power and respect, a practical mystic who could sing the sick to health. He could find lost treasures, give warriors protection against natural enemies. What did they do with the old medicine men that couldn't perform their duties? I, I think they lost their job. <laughs> he could sing arrows and bullets to their targets or protect the clansmen from weapons of the enemies. He could call the wind, rain, or sandstorm, and he could make clouds disappear and cause the sun to shine. The Apache's favorite token next to pollen was the eagle feather. The downy feather from the eagle's breast was the most prized. He wore it during ceremonies or tied it to his horse's mane for good fortune or carried it. If he didn't eat him first. Uh, No, he didn't eat the eagle. Uh, No, I'm talking about the horse with the eagle feather. (laughs) Now, here's how they lived. They had a wooden wickiup, which was a rough-appearing dwelling. The Apache built from whatever 
materials they had at hand. They would take tall branches of pine, cedar, mesquite, or juniper, and they'd stick them in the ground in a circle and then bring them together in the top. So kind of a round-looking, almost like an upside-down bowl. And the framework was covered with grass or cloth or skins. Now, it was always a short-term house and could be abandoned uh, just instantly. And a lot of times the wickiup was burned because it became infested with lice or oh, other geez. Or, Welcome home, Cotter. Or if someone died in that, they also burned it. Really? They wouldn't go back and live in it. Wow. Now, Apache mothers carried their babies on cradle boards uh, and made cloth slings for older youngsters. And in their way, Apache had a strong sense of humor. So far from the stoic stereotype of the wooden Indian, okay, they made jokes and they laughed when they were among their own or with friends, but they often gave in to unreasonable and savage fits of temper. Uh-huh. So you might be laughing one minute, and the next minute you better be either on the run or whatever. I got a question for you. Okay. They lived in the desert, out in the middle of the desert, mm-hmm. out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Did they ever bathe? Zeb, that is not discussed in this <laughs> at all. <laughs> you know, I, I do. I will say this. I've heard of a lot of Indian tribes that they camp next to rivers or streams, and every morning, first thing, they yeah. jump in the river. So uh, down there, I well, they had to camp near streams for water, right? Well, there's not you, a lot of that in Arizona. That's true. Now, men would sometimes beat their wives for little reason and sometimes beat them to death. Oh, my and yet, goodness. And yet... Strangely, they were tender with their children. It was unheard of for man or woman to strike a child of the clan. Really? Yeah. Now, I know we're about out of time, so I just got a little bit more. The history of the Apache after coming uh, the coming of the white man is kind of bad on both sides. You know, you had some great uh, Apache war chiefs, Magnus, Colorado, Cochise, uh, Geronimo. Uh, Geronimo, Old Nana. Uh, Chato, Nachi, and others. Uh, of all the white men in the Apache territory at the time, the ones who dealt honorably with the Apache could be counted on one hand. They didn't treat Indians very well, no. generally. No. But there were some. There's a guy named John P. Clum, Tom Jeffords, General Howard, General Crook. Tom Jeffords was an Indian agent right. to the Apaches, treated and them, they made a TV series about him. Treated them very well. They yeah. loved him. It was called Broken Arrow yeah. back in the 60s. Al Sieber was another one, and they were more Apache at heart than white. Uh, now, a few other whites in authority tried to deal fairly with them, but there was so much treachery and undercutting and differences that, you know, it was really rough. Yeah. You know. But anyway, that's kind of the story of the Apaches. Um, you did a good job uh, on that. An amazing uh, tribe, and you know their traditions and their loyalty to some yeah. each other, and and their religions. You know, uh, just an amazing, amazing group. And of people. next week he's going to come back and tell us where they took their bath. That's right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor History, thank you very you much bet. for being on the program. We.